I'd like to, uh, I'd like to say something I prepared tonight. Hello. How about they write in? I guess that's why they call it Sin City. Haha. <laughs> you guys might not know this, but I consider myself a bit of a loner. I tend to think of myself as a one-man wolf pack. But when my sister brought Doug home, I knew he was one of my own. And my wolf pack, it grew. It grew by one. So there were, there were two of us in the wolf pack. I was, I, I was alone in the wolf pack, and then Doug joined in. And six months ago, when Doug introduced me to you guys, I thought, wait a second, could it be? I now, I know for sure. I just added two more guys to my wolf pack. Four of us wolves running around the desert together in Las Vegas looking for strippers and cocaine. So tonight I make a toast. Welcome to the junk drawer. We're not, We're not done with this is, samurai. This is cocktail. This is a samurai pod now. This is samurai pod. Can you put your kimono you away? On set, when they had all the tanks, they were like literally had to tell NATO, by the way, this is for a movie. Which also seems NATO like the easiest cover-up to start a war. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert, but I do know plants pretty well, but I don't think if you dropped me, I would be like, that's a cocaine plant. Like, what is he, a botanist on the side? Because <laughs> we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. It's finally time to open the junk drawer. Good evening and hello to the Junk Drawer Podcast. Listeners, if you could not tell from that intro, which I hope you could, tonight's episode, we are presenting to you 2009's the Hangover. I am your host, Mario Anthony Rico, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Bryce Howell and Cole Brown. Say hello in that order. Hey, I am Bryce Howell. Hey there. That was Cole. You want to say your name? I don't know. I don't want it on record. That's fine. And you know, tonight is a special episode because we are on our first ever company retreat. Our <laughs> sponsors, good sponsors at Presario Computers put us up in a great hotel. We are in the sunny capital of the movie industry, Savannah, Georgia. Thank you, thank you, Presario. The Sunshine State. At the Sunshine State. The Sunshine yes. State. Yes. So we are presenting to you live from Savannah. Tonight's episode is going to be about The Hangover. Like I said, 2009, The Hangover, directed by Todd Phillips. Just a delightful film. So, to kick it off like we always do. We're gonna give you our rating, one out of a hundred, zero out of a hundred, really. Bryce, I wanna start with you. What did you think of The Hangover? So, I love this movie. I saw it when it came out. I've seen it approximately a thousand times. Just uh, a thousand? Yeah, when I was rewatching, I always rewatch it before we record, no matter what. You should. And uh, I was watching it with my wife, and she looks over at me and she goes, are you sure you need to rewatch this? Because I realized I was reciting every single line. It is so funny, it is very good. It is very memorable. It's super rewatchable. So I've got it at a solid 82. Nice. Cole, Whoa! Yeah. Same score! Yes, Whoa. dude! You got a high five. We will. Do it. That was great. Cole, why did you give it an 82? Because Bryce did. That's not a reason why. <laughs> no, but I think for similar reasons. When I rewatch this movie, again, I do the same thing as Bryce does. I listen to the movies or watch the movies one more time right before we record, uh, like within a day or so. And I think my viewing experience was maybe different than his this particular time because I watched it in the most sporadic amount of time that I possibly could. Like I would get in like 20 minutes at one point or 30 minutes at the next point. Um, but not in a bad way to the movie. It was 
I, I just knew it so well that I could just stop and pick up over and over again like that yeah. without missing anything in the plot, only because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. So I also have it at 82%. Okay. Solid scores from you guys. Um, I'm going to give it a, a 94%. Holy cow. And That's here, really high. Yes. Here's why. It is one of the most memorable movie theater experiences for me. I remember seeing it in junior in high school and just... I didn't drink alcohol so the whole idea of what a hangover was i really didn't relate to um but i just cracked up at every line of dialogue i thought it was brilliant i caught it again on netflix about a month ago and cried laughing like in tears so i knew it was a movie that i wanted to revisit for the pod um looking back at it i realized it was the last great comedy of a great decade of comedies I'm going to read to you guys some of the best comedies of that decade, all right? Along came Polly. Not Along came Polly. Here we go. Goldman. Oh. Considerably really good comedies. Anchorman, Knocked Up, Step Brothers, Furio Virgin, Superbad, Wedding Crashers, Old School, Zoolander, Mean Girls, Dodgeball, Bruce Almighty, I Love You Man, Talladega Nights, and The Hangover in 2009. It was the last, like, big budget Comedy it was it was produced for thirty five million dollars, grossed four hundred and sixty seven point five million dollars, huge success, and to me it's the quintessential epic comedy. It's perfect. Um, why did it lose six points from a hundred? We'll get into that later, but I'm fairly confident in my score ninety four percent. So next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna look up the metacritic score um bryce why don't you explain to the listeners what the metacritic scale is so we like the metacritic scale because um it rates movies on a scale from zero to 100 100 being a perfect movie zero being the worst movie imaginable imaginable 50 being a perfectly average movie uh, and so, you know, obviously anything above 50 is an above average movie. Anything below 50 is a below average movie. So what is the Metacritic rating for so, The Hangover? So the Metacritic score, drum roll. If one of you guys wants to try it out. No, we're good. Brrr, that was me. 73%. All right. So uh, me wow. and Cole tied. Closest to the pin. Closest to the pin for you and had Cole. Had the same rating somehow. So are we sure? So next category. Are we sure our scores were too high or too low? Cole, what do you think? I'm still sure. And... As we, I'm not trying to get us into the later categories of our kind of step through here, but I'm also unsure for me where I'm losing the 18 points. Okay. Um, and so I'm interested to get into that, but I'm, you know, I'm confident in my answer. I think 18% is a great compliment it's to the movie. I think it's solid hilarious. Score. Yeah, I think it's a solid score. So I'm still, I'm still unshaken by the Metacritic. It seems like, you know, it's it's fairly difficult for a comedy to just kind of win overall. Yeah. I agree. I've yet to see a comedy get that high of a rating from critics. So, Bryce, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, and, and we will talk about, there's some jokes that didn't age super well. I'm sure we'll mention that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and just generally speaking, like, it is hilarious. I love it. Super quotable. But, like, I would never describe it as a flawless movie either. Like, it does have some some issues. But, like, the fun of the movie just overcomes all of that. Yeah. Problem. So, I will kind of disagree with you there. I will say 
Aside from the things that didn't age well, I want to say it's a flawless movie. And that's Aside from the flaws, it's flawless. <laughs> well, well, think about it. If we lived, if we existed in two thousand nine, forever, in a vacuum, forever. I don't think it, it does. It ages fine. It's fine, right? Right. Um, it was. It was very good. The reason Obviously. I lost six points from a hundred is because some of the parts I thought could have been cut a little shorter. They kind of lagged, and you're like, okay, on a rewatch, I can fast forward through these parts, and we'll get into that later. But I thought, from a comedic standpoint. They hit a grand slam, which is a baseball term. That means you hit three runs in, including your own, which is four, like a home run. So, um, huh. I thought it was like the meal option at Denny's. That is also, um, that is also, it can be considered a grand and slam. And a great deal at only $4 per person. Fun fact, never ordered the grand slam. Love Denny's, never gotten the grand slam. Fun fact, I don't know that I've been to a Denny's. Are you kidding? It's an American institution, to quote the Santa Claus. No. Oh, boy. All right, guys. Well, that actually transitions us into our next category, the efficient fix. What one thing or things, if you want to be a snob, can fix the movie and make up for that 18 points you guys think it lacked It lacked on? Cole, what do you think? So, uh, as I alluded to earlier, it's hard for me to find... So, maybe this is weird for me to say. I feel like 82% represents the score that it is in the sense that it, I don't see stuff that can be improved. I think I agree with... Bryce's sentiment that there's some jokes in it that certainly haven't aged well. Uh, but I don't know that even discluding those that my score would be higher. I just feel like this movie at an 82 for me is its peak experience. Um, and I think even more so as we've kind of been going through more of these movies in general, one of the things I find in my rewatches of most movies is I am more sensitive to scenes dragging on too long. And I wonder if okay. I was even close to having that feeling when I watched it for the first time. And I would say probably certainly not. I agree with you not, but what so, scenes in particular? So I think for me, when they go to the desert to go get Doug, like that's a dramatic scene. It looks, you know, it's like whatever. Yeah. It looks, it's a cool looking scene. But that same trade or transition of people, you know, the whole, that whole plot point, whatever, could have happened just on Sunset Boulevard in Las Vegas. Yeah. Like it didn't have to happen way out in the desert, you know, to a degree you could kind of save time with stuff like that. I agree with yeah. you. I, th I think the only, I don't think the, the only thing about that transition into that scene that saves it a bit for me is Alan's song, the <laughs> three best friends song. Other than that, it's like, okay, we get it. You found the, the wrong Doug. The joke has been dragged on. We get Chow. We got his personality. Like, just wrap it up. Um, and I think also part of the reason they did that is just because you get some cool shots from a director's perspective of, them out in the desert, you get the really cool opening shot that they obviously reuse later with Bradley Cooper on the phone. That, that was just, cool. Yeah, looks really good. Um, we lost Doug. <laughs> and I actually, I actually disagree. I think that one of the things I really like about this movie is it doesn't feel super meandering. Like you never, in your mind as you're watching, lose sight of what their immediate goal is. To so find obviously, Doug. their immediate goal is yeah. to find Doug. But like, okay, where can we look? They find the little hospital thing. They go to the hospital. He sends them somewhere else. They're always being sent somewhere. Uh, get a map and fuck off. <laughs> they're always being sent somewhere with a purpose. And like it never feels like they're just hanging out at a place to drop a few punchlines there and then move on to the next scene for me. That's fair. Um, I agree. And, and to clarify, I wasn't, for me, I did not think it lagged rewatching. I think just sometimes when I rewatch a movie, my sometimes the common complaints like, oh, this is going too long only because I'm maybe so familiar with the material. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, that's this particular possible. time I did not necessarily feel like it dragged on. There are certainly times when I think they could have 
doubled the amount of clues they get from a source up in one, and then you could skip one. That makes sense. Uh, you know, I like, sometimes it. it feels like when they meet Mike Tyson, there's so very little information that's actually gained from that interaction. Yeah, like what are they getting? They, that Doug was alive at 3.30 a.m. Right, and so that is helpful. But also yes. they have to bring their tiger back to Mike Tyson, or Mike Tyson will kill them. That's true. <laughs> right, right, of course. But I think sometimes if, you, if you're arguing that, man, they could have shortened the movie, then you could have shortened it by basically skipping some yeah. of the clue generations and putting them into one. Yeah, I'm going off a quick tangent real quick, going off the, the Tyson theory. If you're in their shoes, you're trying to find your friend, you're probably trying to exhaust every avenue that you can to get any bit of information that you can, and you're leading the viewer on kind of like this, oh, I'm on this surprising scavenger hunt. I think this is going to lead to something, but it's really not, but it provided me with this really great comedic value. And also, if Mike Tyson threatens your life, you do what he says. Even at that, that might take... I mean, you can outrun him easily. He's pretty fat. He drops Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> sack of potatoes. Absolute sack of potatoes. Did anyone see that punch coming on the rewatch? To Phil Collins, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. So no, great. you like. I know it's coming, but I still don't know it's coming because Mike is just jamming out to Phil Collins, and then and all he, of a sudden Zach Galifianakis boom. is laying I mean, on the ground. He's even, dead, right? Yeah. Even, even if Mike Tyson it. punches you in the face and you You're are dead. defenseless, you are dead. Even rewatching, I was like, oh, I know this is the scene where he gets punched. I wonder what happens. And then it just happened before I <laughs> knew it was going to. And I was like, caught off guard again. He's dead. Uh, that's perfect. He's still got it. I mean, uh, he's still got he's it. He's still I'm got it, like, man. So, uh, Bryce, what is your quick, what, what's your efficient fix? Well, I think this is a hard category for this movie because what I would change about this movie, there's not one, like, big thing wrong with it, as yeah. I kind of mentioned before. Like, there's not a huge glaring error. It's a lot of, like, small things that you'd like to tighten up a little bit. That like, Make it tight, man. Like, take it to the gym. They like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you take the good with the bad. And like, yeah. there's so much good in this movie that's so funny and so enjoyable that you like are willing to overlook some of the little things. Like the yeah. jokes that haven't aged well, maybe jokes that get played a little bit too long, whatever. It, you overlook all of that because it's so funny and so fun the whole time. So where I lost my six points, because this is a pretty, I mean, this is one of the highest movies I've rated. I don't. I say that but not to caveat. I don't think this is the best movie we reviewed as a comedy. I think it's close to perfect for me. Um, I lose six points because my first fix is Mr. Chow, Leslie Chow's accent on the rewatch bothers me because it's so inconsistent. It's so funny at first. Hey, bitches, we take it, we take, it. and then he just he loses it. He loses the accent and it takes you out of the movie completely. Not only that, but. I think part of it is slightly ruined for me because there's two sequels that shouldn't have existed. That's true. And the sequels yeah. kill that character and kill his accent. It goes so <sighs> off base that it makes me think of when he slips in this first one. I'm like, oh shoot, I remember how bad he gets in the, in the sequels. So and In my mind, I can compartmentalize. I can treat this as a movie. I can yeah. pretend part two and part three don't exist. Yeah. And I'm fine with that because they're literally just playing the same yeah. movie again, which I've done well, the hangover a the, thousand times. The second one is definitely playing the same one. The third one tries to vary a little bit, which is unsuccessful. I will say, going to choosing it for the pod, I did treat it as its own movie. In my mind, it exists as its own movie. So that's why I rated it so high. Yeah, it's weird because I think when I leave the theater from watching this in 2009, I'm like, man, this was an incredible movie. I'm so freaking funny. And when they say, you know, hey, we're going to do another one, it's like, man, why wouldn't that work? Exactly. <laughs> I remember thinking that too. So Famous funny. last words. And then obviously hindsight is twenty twenty because they're not great. And yeah. I, it's the same it's the same frustration I have with like 
Guardians 2, where all of a sudden Drax becomes a hyperbole of himself. Oh, I totally agree, man. Um, yeah, I just think sometimes... Perfect example, too. <laughs> what, is, what is funny once can just be funny once. And then when you overuse it, obviously it gets overused. So, yeah. I it's, think... It's just hard. That's a product of, I don't want to say mat- film maturity, but at our age now, we can see a piece of art. <laughs> that's what I call films that are good. Knowing it's amazing... At its existence right there and knowing, okay, it needs to stop. We don't want anything more. But in 2009, when we were in high school, we're like, oh, I, want, I can't wait to see a sequel. No, there's definitely movies I see nowadays where, not that my initial reaction is this, but part of me is like, man, I hope that's just it for this movie. Like, it was so good. This is how I always remember it. I don't want to have any sequels, prequels. I don't have any connection to this that's going to get yeah. drunk yeah. through the mire. For example, they referenced, instead of doing an Anchorman 2 movie, they were going to do Step Brothers 2, was with the initials thought was and as i got older i love Step Brothers. it's arguably my favorite second favorite comedy ever that i've seen so far i don't want a Step Brothers too it's perfect in my mind you can't ruin that by oversaturating with the same joke and it's like what are they going to do yeah prestige worldwide too <laughs> so all right so the next category we're going to bleed into here is uh i say bleed because i did a, a blood brothers oath uh best scene nice callback thank you thank you which uh, one scene would you choose to show someone to convince them to watch this? Because this is a movie I definitely convince people to watch. Bryce, what do you think? So it's a couple of scenes because I'm going to cheat again. That's I fine. Like There's so many good scenes on this movie. best scene. No, it's just consecutive. For scenes. the record, though, you once gave me a hard time for uh, choosing more than one. It scene, is one so, stretch of um, the movie. Fuck you! How dare you? But it's a couple of scenes in order. Okay. <clears throat> Starting from when they wake up in the suite. That's mine. I mean, it's. It is the best part of the movie because they lay all the clues for yeah. all the things that they're going to tie together later. Can you touch on specific moments as to why? Why that part's great? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, so you see the tiger, you see a woman leave, you hear a baby, like, you see him missing a tooth. And you the get, wo- a, the you woman get a mattress leaving. on the statue. Right. You get everything. The woman leaving is um, Heather Graham, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, like, it's everything that's going to come back later, and it seems silly, but then, like, they tie it all together, which is... Really impressive for such a stupid comedy that they bring everything back together at the end. I agree completely. They're ending with the conversation about roof land and you're better likely to end up on the ground than on the roof. That, like, tie no, back that, in. No, that's at the end of the movie. I know. Uh, I thought it was such a really, like, well-crafted oh, version of getting them to arrive back yeah. to YZ on the roof. Yeah, yeah. So and I, then, I agree that they crafted it well. Also, Sorry. if I could sneak in a little extra. Sneak ele- it, man. The elevator ride down. And then them by the poolside with is Todd Phillips. Also great, yeah. Um, Let's the, talk about that elevator ride down. It starts with Zach Galifianakis walking up in his white jeans, tucked in T-shirt, moving his hair around, and he's wearing a satchel. And the no, line, that's, no, he's that's the walk down. After. I'm talking about the walk down. The oh, ride my down apologies. The morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not after he's ready to let the dogs out, which is also a hilarious <laughs> scene. <laughs> and then they're by the poolside. I get a lot of compliments on this thing. And Indiana Jones wore one. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis is making the baby look like he's masturbating, and like so, it's such a stupid joke. And I still laugh right? every single time. So fun fact: I don't know if I'm stepping on anyone's tidbit Go here. Go for it. The baby that they got to use for that scene, they got to use for everything except for the baby masturbating scene. And the mom of the baby was not okay with it. <laughs> the mom walks off Can't scene. Can't imagine why. They ran the idea by the dad. And they're like, look, we could use the model, but I think it would look way better with the actual baby. And the dad said, 
That sounds amazing. Hurry up and do it before mom comes back. And <laughs> get the scene done. What Dude. a dad move. So great. That's I mean, how old, that, how old is that kid now? Seven or eight? At least, yeah. Like, dude, yeah. you're famous. You're jerking off on Hollywood, screen. he's like 19 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, Ray. So, yeah. No, that's it. The wake-up scene, elevator scene, poolside scene. That, yeah. you know, consecutively is probably like 15 minutes, but it, that's that's the movie. If people are intrigued yeah. about what happens next, you want to watch the rest of this movie. So, I'm going to take it, because that's mine as well. I think there's some great directing when they first wake up. There's a shaky camera bit when Ed yeah. Helms wakes up and puts his glasses on, and the camera like follows his reaction. Yeah, it's like mounted to his chest kind of look. Yeah, it's It's brilliant. a real Survivor Man like style really camera. You realize he's missing a tooth before he realizes it. You see Alan go to the bathroom. He's taking a piss. He looks over, and there's a tiger. He doesn't register. And then the tiger like snarls, and he freaks out, trips over uh, Bradley Cooper, um, Phil, um, by the way, Bradley Cooper, great shape in this movie. He is. Physically, yeah. just a stud. My also, favorite line from him, Bradley Cooper, is, can you put on pants? I feel like it's weird I have to ask twice. <laughs> yes. So many funny little lines yes. in the wake-up scene. That one, when peak. They, yeah, they call Doug's phone and Alan answers. Hello? Alan, it's Phil. Oh, this this Doug's phone. <laughs> um, and, and just, Stu, am I missing a tooth? I look like a drag hill, or I look like a hillbilly, or something like that. It's yeah. just a great, and then they go down the pool. And they're trying to piece it together. One of my favorite lines is, Phil goes, you know what? I'm, you're just hungry. Have some breakfast. Have some orange juice. Have some juice. As soon as he says that, Stu just vomits all over the table. Like, oh. It's just, it's that. that's mine. That and then leading into the night, like I referenced, when they're walking to the elevator and you get a glimpse of who these guys are. They're first, they walk into the room, Stu's room. He's getting ready. He's on the phone with his girlfriend who they hate. I think her name is Melissa. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, we're at this great, cute little bed and breakfast. And they show, oh, what's the proprietor's name? Caesar Palace, like the salad. <laughs> Caesar Palace. One of my favorite lines, earlier in the movie, they go, uh, how was how she good? She fucked a, she fucked a bellhop. Like, she was a waiter on a cruise. Bartender. Bar- he was a bartender on a cruise. And if you must know, she didn't, he didn't even come inside her. <laughs> how do you know that? Because she's grossed out by semen. And later on, Phil brings it up. How do you like her? She fucked a sailor. Brilliant. Just brilliant. So, that whole thing. I rambled. Go ahead, Cole. Yeah, I don't even know if you named a scene there. I know. It's just so good, man. <laughs> he said the same thing as me. So, yeah. From that scene on to when they meet at breakfast. Yeah, I think it probably is the scene that best demonstrates the plot of the movie or the, the theme of the movie whatever. Kind of those first few minutes of the movie where you get introduced into each character specifically. And then I would do what Bryce is doing here and steal one second more. Uh, which is their actual drive to Las Vegas when they're having the conversation. Oh, that's a great, yeah, um, great scene. Because in all those things, you get a glimpse into their life. So you get to see Bradley Cooper as a teacher who hates his students. And then when he gets in the car, he's basically saying, like, yeah, I got a wife and kid at home. I don't know if I'm ever going to come back to him. And, like, you get kind of his douchiness. You get Ed Helms being so treated terribly by his relationship that she won't even kiss him goodbye. And you feel, like, immediately just so uncomfortable with how uncomfortable their relationship is. Um, and so I would also show that because I think it kind of gives a glimpse at each character's individual individual kind of you know traits and whatnot that make it really funny when they're all together. Um, are you touching on uh, Bradley Cooper's scene when he's at he's a school teacher? Yeah, and he's telling the kids that they owe ninety dollars for this field trip. Don't miss out on the field trip of a lifetime. Right. Whatever. He pockets the money for the Vegas trip, and then that kid at the end tries to, hey, Mister Whatever, and he goes. Don't talk to me. It's a weekend. You do not exist. <laughs> yeah. And then Alan has a funny line at the school. 
You remember the line is in the he car? He can't be within 100 feet of a school. Yeah. That line became so overused. It was great. I shouldn't be here. I should be here. What's the other thing you can't be within 100 feet of? I think it's just, oh, Chuck E. Cheese. Or Chuck E. Yeah. Cheese. <laughs> All right, so for me, this next category is really hard. Um, it's the worst scene. So what movie for you guys breaks the movie? For me, I'm going to jump in real quick. Uh, the, the, the scene when they get to the police station, the whole taser scene, I like it. It's funny. It runs a little long for me. Mm -hmm. I think they can do... A lot of slow-mo, which is weird yeah, for this I, movie. Yeah, I just think that the whole scene in the interrogation room is funny. I don't think the... The female cop and Rob Riggle, to me, don't have great, um, I, I say, I don't know her name as an actress. She, I know she's yeah. not a prominent actress, but they don't have great chemistry. And to me, that scene lags a little bit. I'm like, okay, I want to get through this. I want to get through this on the rewatch. So what about you, Cole? What do you think the worst scene was? It's hard because, like I said earlier, I don't know that 82% of my rating is representative of, of ways that I see this movie could be greatly improved, you know, as we said with the fish and fix as well. So there's not even a lot of, like, worst scenes that I would say, like, man, if this was gone the movie would be so much better. Yeah, I agree. There are moments maybe where I thought a scene could have gone differently and it would have been Ooh. potentially more of a payoff, so I don't know if this counts as worst scene. Yes, tell. Please do tell. But I thought there could have been a situation where when they channel their inner Rain Man and um, <laughs> Alan goes and counts cards and he's actually really good at it, they set it up really, really well. The music, the like math on the screen in his brain. <laughs> yes. I would have loved just as much probably for him to lay down the ten grand and lose on the first hand all of it, <laughs> and then like then come up with another way. Basically, they like go up to the to the roof to like you know just be done with the whole night, and that's how they find Phil. Like Ooh, I, I think there's a Doug. sorry yeah, yeah that's how they find Doug. Like there's a moment there where there's they build up enough of the tension that you it could have been just as hilarious to have him fail. I will say. And I didn't reference this in the best scene. That was one of my favorite scenes. I the fucking rooftop? cried when they're coming down the escalator and that Eco Eco song is playing. Or yeah, I, 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 I fucking died. And then that Wolf Mother song is yeah. playing. Joker and the Thief. I freaking cried. It's so brilliant. Like, it makes you want to play cards. Yeah. But, anyways, uh, that's a fair point. Um, I think you would have taken away from the whole. The roofie line. I think that that was brilliant. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but Bryce, what do you think? We talked a lot about jokes that don't age well, and there's a couple. And so it's not like one scene that's just bad, but a lot of the Dr. Chow, or sorry, Mr. Chow stuff is, is not doctor, great. Doctor, because he is a doctor. No well, Dr. Ken yeah. is a doctor. The yeah. actor is a doctor. But Mr. Chow, um, it just like, it was funny at the time. It's not as funny now. Um, and so... I, I don't know. I, I would cut that stuff now because it's not it's not as humorous to me now. Especially like you mentioned, the little little bit cartoonish accent. Yeah, a little so, bit of a yeah racist caricature. Even on idea. that, uh, there's so maybe something that was new for me this experience and watching through it was there's a degree of believability in the whole plot line the whole time, even though it seems so insane. Good point. Like, there's a part of me that feels like I'm a part of the group where when they step into the hotel room at the end and they see Mike Tyson inside it. When I see that happening, my first reaction is like, oh, this is now too ludicrous, too impossible. It's like, oh, I think I would probably be handling it the same way they are handling it right now if Mike Tyson just happened to be in my hotel room. And so there's a lot of the movie that I think toes the line between really, really extreme situations or, you know, believability, if you'd call it. And I think Mr. Chow, at times, steps past the believability into just cartoonish. That it, it, to, to a degree, it, it makes the movie feel unbelievable in those moments. So I think about, I, I didn't pick up on his accent falling out and in as much maybe as, as Mario did, 
But for me, like as tiny of a thing as it is that really defeats his character for me is when he's telling them to meet him at dawn and he's rolling up the window while going like, <laughs> and he like rolls it up slowly. Yeah. Like at that point, I'm like, oh, he's just like, it's just comical. It's not like he's trying to be intimidating. It's not even really a The other actors in the car are laughing at that spot. Oh, really? If you notice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's times like that where I feel like maybe they you know went too far out of yeah. disbelief. So going on the believability thing, I'm glad you touched on that because on watching again, I thought the same exact thing. Like Chow's character just takes it to a different degree where you think, okay, this is definitely like a, a freaking hyperbolic situation here. But there's a scene where before they encounter Chow for the second time, they're driving along and it starts with Zach Efnakis. Alan's like, what's Haley's comment? <laughs> the next time Haley's comment. Well, that's that's when they're driving the tiger back. Yeah, after they've dropped them off. He's like, I don't want to miss it. I'm pretty sure it's not tonight, Alan. Okay, I just want to make sure I don't miss it. They get sideswiped by Chow's Escalade, the SUV. He's coming at an alarming, space, at alarming speed. If you see it, they get hit. Initially, the impact is so immense. And then you see it afterwards. It's a dent in the side. And the windows are pretty much intact. And they're fine. They would be freaking dead. <laughs> like, I can watch them. Like, come on. They'd be fucking crushed. Um, that and then the scene where Chow again comes out of the trunk with a fucking crowbar and yeah. beats the shit out of them. And he's completely naked too, which feels gratuitous. Yeah, very yeah. gratuitous. Um, he, they're fine after the crowbar. But yeah, yeah, no face yeah, impact. If you get hit multiple times with a crowbar, yeah, you're dead. You're having a bad day. Um, but also, that's to me, it's a little bit of a middle finger to Hollywood for my frustration again with they need to come up with the answer for things like that. Like, does a crowbar knock somebody out the first time you hit him with it? Which I think it should. Oh, it should. And then some movies, like, they'll hit somebody over and over again with a crowbar, and the guy gets back up and still yeah. fights. And you're like, okay, how does a grenade work? How does a crowbar work? How does a missile work? Right. And I hate to touch on this, too, because, Embrace, you touched on this. You made a great point. On the rewatch, nowadays, we can totally identify. Like, there's a lot of homophobic slurs, and we're like, oh, that's not well-placed humor. Right. I don't want to take too much away from the movie, aside from that, because I think it's great. Um, we just can identify nowadays that we wouldn't use those jokes. Definitely. Um, but, gosh, there's so many just great quotes from this movie that even the worst parts that we've identified, they're made up for, so, like, easily made up for. Like, yeah. in that crowbar scene, there's a scene afterwards where Stu's like, I think I'm internally, ble- I'm internally bleeding. He's being an asshole to Alan, and he goes, I think we can all face it. Doug is dead somewhere in a ditch with meth heads, but fucking his own corpse! <laughs> <laughs> fucking cry laughing at that. Um, so, anyways, the transitions to my next scene, my next category, and I titled it, We Can't Leave. There's a fucking tiger in the bathroom! I love the line when, when Phil goes, God, I keep forgetting about the damn tiger. <laughs> yes! It's so great. It just adds like another complexity to the plot that doesn't need to be there. Like, a like tiger said, in the hotel room. All they got from that line or that whole storyline was that Doug was alive at 3.30 a.m. That's it. Right. Um, but they got Mike Tyson in it. So. What do you mean you found a baby before? <laughs> I found a baby before. Yeah. At a coffee bean. <laughs> coffee bean. Um, so this next category, um, you can't leave the fucking tiger in the bathroom. Like, you can't run away from your past, meaning, what's the most obscure slash wildest slash craziest drunk experience of your life? I can start for you guys. Sure. Okay. I was in Italy. I was studying abroad, and I was in Venice. And it was uh, during this 
in February. It's called Carnival. It was a big carnival. Everyone it was like a masquerade ball. Everyone had these masks on, like Phantom of the Menace style masks. And we're walking around, and it's open container, kind of like it is in here in tropical Savannah, where we've been put up by Presario. And um, so we we bought a couple of bottles of wine, a couple of vino, bottles of vino, two euros, right? It's like three dollars, three dollars American dollars. We're feeling good, and I'm Italian, 100% Italian, and I fit in well with Italian citizens. We see some American tourists, and my friends think it's You funny, are an American tourist, right? I am an American <laughs> tourist, yes. My buddies think, though, it's funny that if I go up to these American tourists, and I pose as an Italian, commenting on them being in Italy. I thought of the idea, let's be honest. So I go up to them, and I go, I'm... I'm bombed out of my mind, out of my gourd, as they say in Goodwill Hunting. Bombed out of his gourd. And I start to say, How do you force to come to my country? You like the country very nice, and what part are you from? And one guy says, New York. And I go, Ah, oh, New York, a city never sleep. Very, very good. And the guy's like, You know, we sleep. I go, No, no, no. Another guy says, Tennessee. I go, Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. I can't pronounce it. My buddies are crying, laughing. The, I made these guys, these tourists, I made their afternoon because they're like, oh, we interact with these Italians. I go on to get cocky with it. I meet this Italian couple, this husband and wife. I'm like enamored with the wife, this beautiful Italian woman. And I'm starting to speak pretty perfect Italian. I start hitting on this guy's wife. Oh, God. And, and they're trying to, I remember it vividly, they're trying to stop me. But we're in like this marketplace and it's me and the wife alone. The guy tries to fight me. Oh, no. I know. And somehow, I talk my way out of it to the point where we're hugging and we're having a good time. This guy invites us out and we say no. But I'll never forget. I was so hungover. We had to... I had to pee so bad. You had to be a patron in a restaurant to use the bathroom. There was public restrooms you had to pay for. Right. We ran to those bathrooms, paid. We're on the train going back to... We were staying in Bologna, which is like two hours north. Two and a half hours north. Every stop, I'm so hungover at this point. I just need water. And there's vending machines at every train stop. At every stop, I'm thinking, okay, I have enough time to sprint off this train, grab a bottle of water, and come back on the train. Because it was like a very, very economy train. They didn't serve beverages. Never did it. Get home, chug water, wake up super hungover. Probably ate a pizza and gelato the next day. Never would do it again. Classic. I would do it, but I wouldn't do it. I would do it every time. It was the best experience of my mm. life. That's the perfect so. drunk experiences. I would never do that again, but I would yes. do it a thousand times. So that times. was mine. I was, tw- I, was I was 21. I had just turned 21, which didn't matter because in Europe, <laughs> yeah. you'd be 18. But right. Cole, what about you? I'll let Bryce go first. All right, Bryce. I can't think of mine yet. All okay. Right. Uh, well, mine's not as exotic as Mario's, but uh, it was also the one of my first experiences with alcohol. I was in college. Um, and a thing about me is that I really like lemonade just in general. I think lemonade is a delicious beverage uh, So I went to a party and they had lemonade. And How I old were you? Uh, I don't remember. Okay Seven eight probably probably 21. Okay. I guess um, And so I uh, They had lemonade. I assumed it had alcohol in it So I assumed it was vodka lemonade, which is pretty common. So I'm drinking. I'm like this is delicious Like you barely taste the vodka it just tastes like lemonade. So I'm throwing it back I've had five, five <laughs> glasses of this. And somebody comes up and explains to me, it's not vodka lemonade, it's country time lemonade powder mixed into vodka. There's no water in it. <laughs> and I, you know, you reach the point where you're like, oh no. Shit. That's the I, moment. 
Because you're, you're you waking up with the camera mounted on your chest, like yeah, at uh, Helms. Because you can't. There's a fucking tiger in the bathroom. You can't undrink it. Like you already did. Now, are you and in college like, at this point? Yeah, I'm in college. I'm like University of Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Um, you can't undrink it, but there is something called throwing up. Right. And so like, you just know, like, I know, like, I'm not, I'm not too drunk yet, but I know I'm heading to a bad place. Uh, and so I got home as quick as I could and laid down in my bed and felt the room spinning around me. I was orbiting it's the worst feeling in the earth world. and space. Um, and woke up the next day and watched every Star Wars movie completely hungover with the Battle of Powerade. Had Disney bought it yet? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, so it's just a six? Yeah, it was, well, I just watched the original trilogy, Great. four, five, six. Going off that, I remember waking up in college so hungover, freshman year, like every Friday, Saturday, I just hung, so hungover, going to breakfast, just like, why did I make these life decisions? Like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> I, I, some of those moments I would trade away. Like, they yeah. were just not, they were poorly planned, but. Cole, what is your craziest or wildest night drunk experience? Well, I'm sorry to underwhelm our viewers and listeners. Who's uh, viewing this? I've told you this before. You can watch that thing go across on the iTunes. Are we, are we being watched? Yes, Big Brother's here. We're all naked. That's We're what, not. We do that for our own protection. <laughs> big Brother's going to watch. I'm going to make him see. It makes it sound better. <laughs> My Big Brother's watching us? He is. God. No, but for me, so I didn't drink before I was 21, and then I didn't really drink much right away when I turned 21. Hey, two shoes. But when I started to drink... Because I had very little experience with alcohol prior to that, there was very little alcohol that I enjoyed. Okay. You know, on the sheer taste aspect. What I did find that I liked were a little sexy drink called Dirty Shirley's. No. Shirley, <laughs> they Shirley were Temple's with alcohol. A Shirley Temple with alcohol. What alcohol is in there? Uh, I got it's vodka. I think it's vodka. Or yeah. gin, one of those two. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's vodka. We'll say gin as well, just in case. Uh, Dirty Shirley's listening, but um, <laughs> she's so dirty. I work for a sorority in college, and hey so I got to go on a bunch of the functions with the girls, just as like oh. a, a friend. Hey, oh! And I can't tell you how many conversations I had. First of all, to defend the fact when they come and like, "What are you drinking?" And I go, "Oh, I'm drinking a Dirty Shirley." And they would like pause, like I was going to be embarrassed. I go, "Oh, I don't really care. Like, I, it's, it's <laughs> good delicious. for you, man." Um, but one time in particular, I did knock back a handful of Dirty Shirleys. And then did lose myself on the dance floor. Uh, and I, when I say I lose myself on the dance floor, uh, I knew that I was in trouble because at one point when I finally, I have a tendency to close my eyes when I dance. Okay. Uh, to kind of let myself. Music takes control. That and I just, I feel uncomfortable if I know people are watching. Okay. But when I finally opened my eyes, it was the worst case scenario where I was the only person dancing. Oh, that's beautiful. Everybody was staring. And then at that <laughs> point I realized the music wasn't even on that loud. It wasn't like a dance bar. <laughs> It was just a song that was kind of playing in the background, and I was going nuts to it. So, <laughs> no Shirley's. Speaking of with dancing, aren't you notorious for splitting your pants at like every wedding? Yes, I have split many pants, but I will go on record to say that so few of those have ever been alcohol-related. So pants much respect. It just has everything to do with how low I squat and how much I gyrate. So much respect, right there. Well, that leads us into our next category. Um, I guess that's why they call it Sin City. <laughs> is this the best Vegas movie, guys? No. I'm going to open it up to Bryce. I'll say no. I think the best Vegas movie is Ocean's Eleven, which we might do at some point. I love Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven, like, so Hangover's kind of like dirty Vegas, and Ocean's yeah. Eleven's like super like classy, yeah. old school Vegas. A Vegas that never really existed, but certainly doesn't exist anymore. 
But it like, that's the movie that makes you want to go to Vegas the most, in my opinion. Cool. Yeah, I, I also agree that, well, maybe this is not what Bryce is saying, but I don't really have like a desire to go to Vegas. Okay. So like any movie has never enticed me to be there. I think this is lame of me maybe, but I think a lot of the outdoorsiness that exists near Vegas is really cool. Like the desert, stuff like that would be really exciting. That is lame. But I don't have like any desire to go and lose money. I don't like gambling because I always lose. Okay. Um, but if I'm thinking of, you know, this might be obscure. So if we go to Vegas, don't take you. You can take me. If Pontiac sends take us to her. Vegas. Yeah, I'm just going to go, but I'm going to be frowning the whole time. Okay. Kind of like this trip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> me cold. in the drive down. <laughs> Um, but I think if I'm choosing my favorite Vegas movie is a real low-key throwaway or throwaway is National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation. Wow. Um, oh, wow. Deep cut. Chevy it is, Chase. Uh, Chevy Chase. It's a Chevy, great movie. Uh, I can watch that movie over and over and over again. It certainly does not give you any sort of romance of Vegas. In fact, it gives you the exact opposite, especially when Cousin Eddie takes you through all his casinos where you, you can do games like Pick a Hand and How High Am I Guessing? Uh, you might have to do this because I've only seen the Chevy, uh, the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's a good movie. So you might have to do this one. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because mine is the same answer as Bryce. Ocean's Eleven to me is, is fucking brilliant. It's one of my favorite all-time movies. It's so cool. When I think of Vegas, I think of three people. Sinat- four people, sorry. Sinatra, Dean Martin, who were in the original Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt, and George Clooney. I just want to go be classy have a good time. I want to be reasonable with my budget when it comes to gambling because I know I'm not going to rob the casino. And I just want to be classy, have some scotch, have a good time. This movie to me did one thing though. It glorified the bachelor weekend at yeah. Vegas. So I would want to go to Vegas. I'm the only guy in this pod out of the three of us who's not married. So when I get that privilege one day, I actually want to go to Vegas now because of the hangover. I don't want to do what they did. Should we do roofies? Right? <laughs> but I want to have this experience. Um <laughs> I, it reminds me of the beginning of the movie, though. They're getting sized up for tuxedos, and I kind of want to drop some quotes here. Alan is getting sized up by this tailor, and he goes, Watch it, you perv! Easy, Alan. He's getting very close to my shaft! And then he tells Doug, I don't care what, what we do. Something along the lines of, I will kill a man if we have to. <laughs> Alan, we're not going to kill anyone. We're just going to Vegas. I'll do it if I have to, though. And he's wearing a jock strap, like an unarmored jock. And he strap. hugs him. In the and he jock hugs strap. him. Like I'm like, I want to have that fucking weekend. Like, <laughs> I just want to have that That's weekend. What you want? Like, I want to go to the rooftop and have a fucking. You guy's want your wife's weekend. weird brother-in-law to hug like, you? I want to go to Caesar's Palace. Like, Is this the real Caesar? By the way, that whoever's working at Caesar's Palace, that woman, I fell in love with. She's so gorgeous. Of course you did. Right. Like, that doesn't sound like you. Do we have a, a bank of payphones? Like a payphone bank? I'm not getting any signal. Sorry if we didn't introduce him at the beginning. This is Ted Mosby. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Very Ted Mosby. Um, but fun fact, though, it's not our quintessential Vegas movie, but Caesar's Palace sales skyrocketed after this movie. I'm sure. I guess they were struggling to compete with the Bellagio and the other casinos, and this movie kind of put them on the map. So as a bachelor, if I had a bachelor party, I want to go to – you guys take notes. I want to go to Caesar's Palace – I want to have a hangover night, but I also want to have mostly an Ocean's Eleven night because maybe Ocean's Thirteen too. I'll just get a shrimp cocktail and eat it while we're planning a heist. Brad Pitt's eating in every scene. It's fucking brilliant. That's a different pod. 
But yes, that is the best Vegas movie. Mm. Except for one time it's shrimp cocktail, and every time it's actually just shrimp on his hand in a plate. That's true. Sometimes it's not back to back. You know, no, that was actually like a continuity error that they didn't catch. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow, fun fact. Back to back scenes, he goes from having a shrimp cocktail and a big glass. Great to... fun. But yeah, I would never want to like shame somebody who loves Vegas. But I think for me, part of my apprehension is it's always described as like, oh dude, it's freaking Vegas, dude. You gotta love it. Yeah. And it's part of me is like, yeah, I think I would probably enjoy being in the main strip for a couple nights. Yeah. But I'd also like love to see exterior Vegas as well. Okay, that's fair. I'd like to see like the Grand Canyon drive in. Right. Which is not How about the drive in? Yeah. <laughs> um, 21, also a great Vegas movie. Yeah, 21 really yeah. good. I like that movie as well. So, it leads into my next category. Because we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Of the cast, right? We're dealing with Zach Galifianakis as Alan. Bradley Cooper as Phil, Ed Helms as Stu, and Justin Bartha as Doug. Who do you guys see yourself as, and who do you see other, your peers, your friends, your coworkers, or whatever, who do you see them as? You don't have to go into detail, use their last names, um, but who do you see them? I'll start. I, I hate to say this, I'm a Doug. 100%. Like, I'd go out with my buddies, I'd let them give me a great time, but I'm getting lost on the roof every fucking single time. Like, it's it's just so sad. I have, my brother is a stew. He loves to have a good time, but then he wakes up and he's like, oh god, what do I do? My wife's gonna kill me. I'm missing a tooth. My buddy Mike, 100% Phil. He's actually a school teacher. He's, he's 30, he loves to party, loves to have a good time. And he's just filled to a T. Like, he'll extend the party as much as he can. You forget that he's, like, a married guy. Like, a really, he's one of my best friends, but he loves to party and he extends the parties. I can honestly say I don't know any Allens. So, I'm, I'm happy for that. I don't have any Allens. But what do you guys think? Bryce, who are you? And then do you have anyone that's like this? Aside from me being Doug. <laughs> um... So I don't like super relate to any of them because obviously they're all pretty outlandish. But uh, if I had to pick one of the characters that I relate to, I would say probably the most like Phil. Uh, wow. I, the reason I relate to him the most though, like you school said, the teacher? school teacher scene. Uh, when he walks out <laughs> and he says, it's the weekend, I don't know you. <laughs> I know that sounds super bad, but uh, it's just like that. that and it, But like the thing that I like about him is you see at the end, they're like, He's really sincere. Like he, he talks about how he hates being married. He hates having a family, all that. But he, you could tell he's just talking a big game because when he gets back to his wife and his kids, well, his wife's so, so hot. Too. He's so excited to see him. He gives him a big hug. Big Schmidt's kiss. boss, new girl. Um, and so like you can see, he's, he's just really talking a lot. But he, 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 he actually is leads probably the best life of any of them at home. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Yeah. Any friends remind you of the other cast? <laughs> Yeah, you you probably Doug. Doug, why? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> really, you're Ted Mosby. That's the character <laughs> you are. I don't know if you're any character in The Hangover. You are Ted Mosby. That's fair. Cole, do you have anyone? Well, we've said a couple times maybe you're Doug. I, I might see you more as an Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, why? What do you mean? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> That leads me into this next category. Um, this movie provided us with so many great quotes and so many memorable moments um, that we've used over the last 10 years since it's been out. Some of the most, I just want to touch base on some of the most memorable moments um, for you guys and for me, some of the most memorable scenes that I still go back to even when I'm not watching it. 
Um, for me, Alan sticks in my brain. He's the number one thing that I always think of when I go back to this movie. His speech that was referenced in the intro to this is has been quoted and jokingly used by bachelor parties forever. I was going to use it as my speech in my brother's wedding as his best man speech, but I refrained from doing so. Um, his whole thing, like, who let the dogs out, right? He's walking up to the elevator. He's got his T-shirt tucked in. He's wearing his satchel. Um, when Chow steps on his purse, hey, there were Skittles in there. I got to lose it every single time. Um, there's so many great, great quotes and moments. What are some of the ones that stick out to you guys, Cole? For great quotes and moments? It, either or, yeah. One of the things I always love about watching this movie, and I caught it like the very first time I watched it, and it just gets funnier. Not necessarily each time you watch it, it gets funnier, but it just it always pays off. Yeah. Is um, Alan's relationship with Phil. <laughs> yes. And how desperately <laughs> he wants like Phil to love him. And so, so yes. many little things where he... Like, you'll watch him where, especially at the end, when they're leaving Vegas, and they're trying to get Stu to come to the car, and Phil's like, come on, Alan, let's go. And come on, Alan, let's go. Alan's literally repeating it, like, seconds after <laughs> Phil says it. Then at the actual wedding, at the very end, Alan leans into Stu's ear and says, how's my hair? And Stu's like, it looks good. He's like, is, is it cool like Phil's? Is it cool like Phil's? He's like, yeah, it looks classic Phil. It looks good. So his whole relationship with Phil is really funny to me, because how desperately... And as you like, if you know that now, watching the movie again, you can see in so many scenes, his outfit, his demeanor is consistently mirroring Phil's. Yes. Like he gets the blue blockers at one point to model after Phil's blue blockers. So <laughs> yes, I think it's, you're right. it's, it's really funny. I think the movie does a really good job of making Phil the quintessential cool guy. Like Stu is like this guy, he's got this horrible girlfriend. He's kind of a nerdy, dresses lame. Alan is Alan. Dog is lost in the roof. Feels like the cool guy. Like, you want to be Phil to an extent. You, I mean, I feel like I want to be Phil or even Doug because especially the first scene when they get into the hotel, they're, they're dressed for the night. Phil and Doug walk into the room and they're wearing like, yeah. like a you know blazer over like black pants, like looking good. Yeah, they look great. And it comes in there and Stu's just still in whitey tighties. <laughs> yeah. And he's on the phone and with like, oh yeah, we, we just got in. The Sequoias are great. <laughs> he comes out with like, his old navy khakis and polo with the blazer. Not that there's nothing right. like old navy, but like he just doesn't match up to them, which is right. weird because he's a dentist. He's obviously well-to-do, and they make him pay for everything, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Bryce, what about you? Any quotes or scenes that stuck out? I mean, just the first thing I remember thinking, watching this movie for the pod and being like, all right, what are we going to talk about? Is that Zach Galifianakis just, he sets the movie on fire. Like, everything about this movie is made better by Zach Galifianakis, Alan being in it. Um, he is, from his first scene, just throwing fastballs he, one after the other. He's so good. I don't he's know. He's, so like, he, he's essentially a nobody to us. We didn't know who he was yeah, in the first no, movie. Yeah. And like, even afterwards, like his comedy is so weird that like <laughs> so weird. you only get bits of it. So we, we love Between Two Ferns, oh, which is so, so funny. They but just it's, made a movie in it. It's like. so weird. Like, But he's so funny. I he love goes him. on a due date. He plays a pretty much the same character. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing, we have to shout out the Dan Band. Oh, because so great. They're in a couple of movies, a couple of comedies. <laughs> But Explain they are to the so listeners funny. who the Dan Band is. So Dan Band's are. a band famous in the Los Angeles area, but because of that, they end up in a couple of movies like The Hangover, <laughs> uh, and so they're the band what at the end of the movie. Old school, old school, old school Starsky, Starsky and Hutch. Hutch. Uh, I can't think of any other ones. They sing like 
really they make songs like really graphic and sexual. Yeah. Like they sing a lot like lollipop in this movie. Yes. Take you to the lollipop or take you to the candy shop. Fucking give it to me, baby. Nice and slow. Something, something on top like a rodeo. One of the best is like he sings his songs. They talk about grinding up against someone. He's this old lady. And then his, her husband is upset. He like flicks him off so aggressively. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a different movie, but in Starsky and Hutch, the damn band, he's singing a sexual song to her at her bat mitzvah. Vince Vaughn, who is the father in this situation, is just in the back of the house, like dancing and jiving to he it. He loves it. As he's getting so weirdly specific to this girl in the box. so great. Mitzvah. I'm gonna live forever. Fucking yeah. He's so proud of himself in this movie. Uh, all right, that brings us to our next category. My favorite. No, it's not my favorite. It's one of my favorites. Tiddly Bits. Tidbits. Tidbits presented by. Enron, one of our great sponsors, Enron. Um, they might put us up in our next retreat. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Presario, thank you. Uh, but Enron, if you have to invest money, invest with invest Enron. Invest with Enron because it'll mm-hmm. give you a lot of great returns. So, fun internet research. We don't know if it's true. We read on the internet. Um, I'm going to start off with you for you guys. Originally, this movie was titled when, What Happens in Vegas. It did not have the tiger, the baby, the police cruiser, or the fact that Phil, Bradley Cooper's character, was a school teacher. That was all added in after. What a horrible movie it would have been. Yeah, not funny. It's based on a true story. The guys who originally wrote the scripts wrote about having a hangover in Las Vegas, and then Todd Phillips wrote that all in. No one's true story is as funny as this movie. No, so that was brilliant. A couple other tidbits. Both the songs in this movie... What Do Tigers Dream Of and The Three Best Friends, both improvised. Yep. Brilliant. When Stu, when Ed Helms sings What Do Tigers Dream Of on the piano, you can see uh, Bradley Cooper off in the distance. His reaction to it is great. Like, he's laughing and he can't believe what's happening. Um, Mike Tyson, when... So Todd Phillips and Justin Bartha uh, approached him in a bar about being in this movie. He was hammered drunk. When I first pitched this idea. Of course. And he w- was on board and they got him in it. What a great connection to the fact that he literally, he echoes them in the movie and says, we all do crazy shit when exactly. we're effed up. Right? Uh, fun fact, did not know this. So they're all, it's all about being too drunk, drinking and hang, hang, being hungover. Bradley Cooper's character is like the epitome of, uh, you know, young dad slash husband who wants to get away from wife to drink with his buddies. He does not drink. He Bradley is, Cooper doesn't? Yeah, he has oh. been on like the, the tea time diet or whatever. He only drinks tea since oh. he was 29. Wow. Yeah, which I can kind of believe he's pretty, I mean, he's pretty much shredded. Yeah, he's so, very shredded. Um, I mean, that's another even, sorry to keep stealing back and forth from you, no, but that's go another callback to Cocktail when we talk yes. about the fact that Tom Cruise doesn't drink and he's very disbelievable as a drunk person. And then you see Bradley Cooper who, you know, maybe he oh, drank yeah. before he was 29 or whatever you said was when he started the tea diet. Right? But you watch him in that movie and like, yes, you feel like, man, this guy is definitely somebody who parties hard. Oh, yeah. He, he seems like it, you know, whatever. And he seems very hungover. Yeah. Not to say that Bradley Cooper is a better actor than Tom Cruise because we all love the Cruise. But, yeah, very convincing. Last one. Ed Helms had a fake tooth. I think it was his Latimer-sizer, Latimer-sizer, whatever it's called. He had a fake tooth in there, so they actually did remove it for the movie. Um, lateral incisor. Lateral incisor. Thank you very much. He was filming The Office at the same time, but he did not tell anyone in The Office that he was filming The Hangover, so he would have to put a fake tooth in 
And he said during that season, you can tell he slurs his words, and there's some parts that you can tell he kind of has a different accent. So I'm excited to go back and rewatch that season of The Office to kind of tell what's going on. So those are my tidbits. Uh, oh, last one. Todd Phillips didn't get paid up front. They, they, he told the studio, I will take a profit sharing from this movie. And they said, fine. We don't, you know, they didn't think it was going to make so much money. He ends up making like $30 million because he gets a profit sharing with this movie. So 16 yeah. to 30, something like that. Crazy amount of money. So. Good for him. Those are my tidbits. Bryce, right. what do you got? So just a small little tidbit. Um, but when they're going to visit Heather Graham's character, Jade, for the very first time, uh, the scene opens with Zach Galifianakis going, it's got Ted Danson, Magnum P.I., <laughs> and that Jewish actor. Uh, and he's referencing the movie Three Men and a Baby. I never knew that until just <laughs> because now. Because there's the three of them and they found a baby, I, which is the part of the three men. Three men and I a baby. I thought that was just a random, random no. thing. Bradley yeah, Cooper's definitely Ted Danson. Uh, oh, yeah. God, I love 100%. Ted Danson, too. Um, I don't even know who the guys are, so. Magnum P.I.? Nope, don't know who it is. Tom Selleck? Oh, is that Tom Selleck? Yeah. Great mustache. The mustache of the century? <laughs> yeah. That, that might be him then. That might um, be cool. And then, just, this isn't internet research or anything, but a thing I notice every, every time I watch this movie is that the music in this movie is incredible. They so use music good. so well in every scene. As they're driving in, you get Kanye, and it's like, gosh, that's so cool. They open the doors, and you get T.I. That's the coolest thing in the world. They wake up from their hangover, and it's playing Fever, which is also <laughs> awesome. I mean, literally, <laughs> Z uh, Alan says, you guys ready to let the dogs out? And then, Who Let the Dogs Out plays. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, One of the only movies that can successfully pull off Who Let the Dogs gosh, Out. Gosh, the music in this movie adds to the movie so well. It's so well done. Major shout out for that. It's it's awesome. Wait till I'm, I get my money. I'm glad you said that. Wait till I get like, the Kanye song. Galifianakis ends up shooting a music video for that movie. <laughs> His farm in North Carolina. It's freaking hilarious. And they put it on like the DVD extras. So my two favorite songs though are from the casino. Eco is it Ico 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 and then uh, was it Wolf Mother? Yeah. Yeah. Joker and the Thief Joker, is the name of the song. Joker and the Thief. Yeah. So, Joker and the Thief in the night. My tidbits, uh, we mentioned it briefly at the show very us beginning. Your bits. I'll show you my bits. Uh, the first one is that Todd Phillips is the guy who's in the elevator when they get <laughs> Yes. Uh, He's in all his movies. It's so funny because the internet describes it as oh, Todd Phillips is the guy who's making out with the girl in the elevator. He is going Bryce, down. Bryce is dying laughing right now because. That's a mild description. Certainly, <laughs> as you open the elevator and he is kneeled before her, he is going to down. probably make out with her mouth. Um, yes. that. Well, that's a that's a fun scene that you get in the TBS edit that's different in the real movie. What is yes. in the TBS edit? It's just him standing up. Oh, it doesn't okay. show, it doesn't show it. Yeah, right. him kneeling down. Wow. Um, my fun fact, real quick, it's cool. Sorry, my mom was watching this contemporaneously with me. It was on TV, and I told her, "Watch the TV version. It's edited." <laughs> she goes, "Oh, don't worry, I will." So, well, you I'm going to make you go further down this trail and retell what you told us in the car right here. Where she asked, would you ever do that? I will. With no context. My mom is texting me and she says, I told her we were both in the prison scene. She thought we were in the same exact scene, the jail scene. She goes, would you, like 30 minutes later, would you ever do that? I said, what are you referring to? The tuxedo scene. So the scene where they're driving back from Vegas, they found Doug. And Alan knows a guy at a tuxedo shop who pulls up next to them in a van and throws in the tuxedos. At 80. At 80, yeah. Those on the tuxedos to change into on the way to the wedding. So my mom says, would you ever do that? I said, mom, what are you talking about? It's just the tuxedos. 
I said, so you asked me, would you ever do that? Referring to the tuxedo scene on the off chance I was watching that at this moment, at the time I was watching Thursday Night Eagles versus Packers football. She was, oh, they're in the same scene. Like, no, you can't just jump in. So it was. was Yeah, this tidbit section also goes out to to the moms. To the moms. To the troops. To the moms of troops. Both sides. Whoa, no, no. Um, My other tidbit is that Bradley Cooper, uh, when they were, so they're going on tour to promote the film, uh, he talked about this in Toronto at one point that. I could also probably, I can understand why this was said and it's funny, but he said that in Toronto he was saying that people in Las Vegas did not even know that a movie was being filmed. And so he said there was time where he wow. was in full makeup where he literally has tiger scratches across his neck, his shirt's torn, he looks you know, beat down and disgusting, and he's walking down the street and he said nobody would react to what he looked like. No one stopped to ask if he was really okay. <laughs> See, that, he wasn't even that big, right? As yeah. an actor. Yeah, maybe not, but it's also just so funny. Like, no one would react is you know that's just another day in las vegas oh it's like vegas yeah. vegas baby some guys just can't handle it some guys can't handle vegas Ooh, let's go to vegas Woo! oh god that's hilarious um i do also this is i don't know if it's a tidbit but this is just i love rob riggle i wish at one point they'd give him a different role i don't think i love rob riggle i agree with you i agree with you bryce i like him in one movie what's that Step Brothers. I don't think because I love Rob Riggle. He stuff plays others. such a contained character, and he has one line. Pow! Yeah. And I love that. That's it. He always plays the same character that yeah. I'm not sure he can play another character. I, I totally agree. I don't think he, he's not good. Maybe he's not. He's not. Good. Well, he's not good maybe he hasn't. We been, don't have to attack <laughs> professional actors. <laughs> maybe he hasn't been given the chance. But yeah, I think it, I have definitely I've definitely passed the prime of cooking for Rob Riggle in that man. You've done the pow pow loud guy with an offensive voice. In every movie so far, I would like to see you do something different. So he's a former Marine, I believe. I think yeah, it was the Marines. Yeah, that's true. I totally respect him for that. Thank you for your service. To me, he comes off as Marine playing a character in a movie. Well, he commanded a PT uh, coastal boat on while he was in the office. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Brilliant. One of his best roles. I was like, that's probably his best acting role. No, I was just making a joke when Dwight says, "Oh, he should be the keynote speaker." <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty just. I'm pretty established for leadership. That leads, yeah, but that leads into our next category, which I haven't presented in a while. Who wins the movie? So this is a great ensemble cast, right? At Helms, Zach Galifianakis, Bradley Cooper, and Justin Bartha. If you can count him as part of the cast. Um, all of them, essentially, are like nobodies before this movie. Bradley all, Cooper's not. Bradley Cooper is, he, he's known, but he's not well-known. He's not After a superstar. this movie goes on to Limitless, um... Uh, Ed Helms isn't known yet. No, he's just on the office. They don't. They take off. So he's known by us. Yeah. yeah so they, uh, like, they they blow up. Especially Zach Galifianakis. He's yes. well known in the LA area. So my thing is, my category is who wins the movie. For me, when I think Hangover, I think of this guy Zach Galifianakis throwing 150 miles per hour every scene. Hysterical launches his career. Comedy genius. He wins the movie for me. I think the other guys, Ed Helms has kind of fallen off. He had a little bit of a career, but Bradley Cooper is so talented that he goes on. You don't need him to remember him from The Hangover. You know what I mean? Like, he's got Silver Linings Playbook, right. and he's a friggin' star. But Galifianakis wins the movie for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, like, when you think of this movie, you think of Zach Galifianakis' performance. Like, this is the role he's known for. This movie, like, no one, I didn't know who Zach Galifianakis was before this movie came out. Now, for the 
years following, I'm paying attention to him. And he does some weird stuff. He doesn't really do a lot of mainstream stuff, but like I'm looking for Zach Galifianakis's material because of this movie. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I hate to be a dead Zach Galifianakis here, but I also choose Zach Galifianakis. He's, he was ex exactly the thing I expected least when I first watched this movie, in the sense that I really didn't like look at the cast, so to speak, but man, once his jokes and his character became more and more uh, a part of the movie, every scene that included him, I'm only watching the things he's doing, the things he's saying. You know, I feel bad a little bit for our boy, you know, Justin Bartha. Like, <laughs> He hasn't really... He's National Treasure. He's done National Treasure. We're, we're excited. Was we're, he in that? Yeah, Riley's yeah, really in National Treasure. Wow. You know, the, the guy who figures things out when... When Nick Cage oh, can't. Man. When so, Nick Cage can't figure it out in the first three seconds, he figures it out on the fourth second. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that he gets such a tiny role in this total movie that's in the situation of the plot, it's set up about him. Right. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it. kind of, it's kind of hard that I, he doesn't get much in it. I heard that he's living a great life though. Like he's getting still paid so much money from the syndication of this movie. He seems like he's doing okay. Yeah. Like he did this role. He's dating some super famous actress who I don't even know the name of right now. And like, so he's, not just, that famous. he's just kind of coasting. No, like, she's pretty well known. So we all agree. Zach Galifianakis was the obvious choice. He wins the movie. He goes on to have a great career. Does this mo movie belong in the junk drawer, Cole? What do you think? Hmm. I think it. I you know I think I'm at this point I'm almost 100 percent for the junk drawer movies, except for I don't know that I put children in the junk drawer. Uh, maybe I didn't, but I'm gonna say that it does, but only because it's been out for a while now. Uh, it is so popular, and almost as a issue of association with Part Two Hangover, Part Three Hangover. I think this one kind of gets drug a little bit down to the view, like to the public sphere of sale. Basically, when the other ones don't perform as well, they have to batch them together with this one to sell them. And so, in that way, yes, it exists as the hangover parts one through three in the junk drawer. Okay, Bryce. So, I've also done most of them in the junk drawer, but I'm going to say no for the hangover. Um, and nice. I, I, you know, I am the person who says every movie eventually finds its way into the junk drawer. I'm sure at some point this movie has been in the $5 bin at Target and Walmart. But like, for me, The Hangover is kind of like a Hall of Fame comedy. And so I would say that it does not belong in the junk drawer. I will say no for the same reason as you. I think it's a Hall of Fame comedy. I think part two and part three are in the junk drawer. Right. What Cole said about like, part one gets thrown in there right? as a multi-disc set with part two and three. That, yeah, that happens. I, see, sure. I disagree. I don't think this movie does. I think... Only to sell two and three. I, right. I honestly don't think, though. I think that this movie exists on its own so well that the studio's like, you know what? Let's fucking retcon two and three. Let's forget those exist. Let's sell them on their own for five to three dollars, three to five dollars on their own in the junk drawer. This isn't a comedy hall of fame. It deserves to be there. You have to get it on Netflix for a week, which we did, and then we had to go and rent it again for this pod. And then if not, you have to buy it for fucking $14.99 on Blu-ray. <laughs> like, I just think it's too great of a movie right now to put it in the junk drawer, so I would say no. So with it, that, go ahead. No, it is funny, too, is I think a little bit more on it, that the most heinous part of this movie comes in the very end. Literally, the credit scene. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, prior to that, the movie, it's funny, like, as I was going to rewatch it for the, you know, this time, I was like, not, not totally remembering how necessarily raunchy parts of it get or not. But part of me is like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll see as I see. And 
for most of the movie, I'm like, oh, this is actually not that bad. It's not like that offensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some things they say that are offensive, yes, but there's not like, it's not like F-bombs every sentence and like naked people every other scene. Like, it's not that raunchy. Until you get to the pictures. Until you get to the pictures. And I go, Dude. oh, this is where they oh. definitely and earned every R rating they have. It, it kind of started the post credit scene trend in Hollywood. Mm. That was Zach Galifianakis' idea. To works. Put, to put those smooth to put the photos in and kind of piece it together the night. So it works. Oh, it definitely works. My dad said he hated that about the movie because it was too raunchy, but I think it friggin' completes the movie. It's yeah. great. So yeah. thank you guys for listening. If you want to send in an idea for a movie you want us to to review, we have so many ideas, but we'll try to get to yours. You can email us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Twatter. Nope. No, not that's not it. <laughs> Where can you find us? You find us on Twitter. Ah, okay. At junk underscore drawer underscore pod. Find us on Twitter. Send us a message there. Drop your line. Are we on uh, Friendster MySpace anymore? No, we got off Grinder oh. a long time ago. <laughs> no more Grinder. Maybe you want to come on there and defend Hangover Part Two as your favorite movie. Please and do. I will fucking we love to do that and probably lose, but let's end how we rehearsed. Cause what the do Kygers dream of when they take a little tiger suit? Cause we're the three best friends that anybody can have. We're the three best friends that anybody can have. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. If there's a movie that you want to hear us talk about, then please reach out to us at askthejunkdrawer at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>